Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Rebecca S. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, April 26, 2017, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are in Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism. We will be reading and commenting on the last paragraph on page 31, beginning with, we do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, and ending at the top of page 32 with, get a full knowledge of your condition. Today's readers are Sherry S., Carrie M., Deb W., and Deborah R., Our newcomer greeter is Suzanne W. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, April 25, 2017, are 8, I'm sorry, 9872, that's 9872 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, and 9874 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sherry S. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. This is Sherry S. from Massachusetts, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 
9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Pass. Thank you, Sherry S. I will now ask Carrie M. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Hi, my name is Carrie M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Carrie M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 31, the last paragraph beginning with, we do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, and ending on the top of page 32 with, get a full knowledge of your condition. I will now ask 
Doug W. to go ahead and read and comment on this one paragraph. Thank you, Rebecca. This is Deb W. Recovered in Oklahoma. Okay, we do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. It will not take long for you to decide if you are honest with yourself about it. It may be worth a bad case of jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. This little paragraph has a lot to it. Um, you know, yeah, no, we, we, I, I know that I cannot, and most people that I know do not determine, if someone calls me, well, you sound like you're one of us. You know, I really, when I have a, someone call to talk about, you know, if they have a question about whether they belong to this fellowship, uh, I ask, I listen to their history, you know, and I ask them why, you know, why, why do you feel, you know, like you, you know, don't have, do you not have control of your food anymore? Uh, also, I have a lot of people who have been trying for a long time to stop eating, um, and uh, they get a few, a month or two, and then they go back to the food. Then I have people who have, uh, this is a questionable group of people who, you know, you actually have listened. I, I, I want to lose weight. I, I don't feel like I can, uh, you know, stop eating. But I I really, you know, you know, once I'm given a diet plan, you know, I can follow it, you know. But asking the question, am I really a compulsive eater? Well, for me, the difference in me and, you know, anyone that has to diagnose themselves uh, is that I can tell a story that I am a bottom feeder, you know, whatever that means. I, I know that if I start eating those foods, that I that are eliminated that God's grace has eliminated from my plans of eating that I won't be able to stop and you know fortunately and unfortunately back in 2000 and around 2009 10 11 one of those years I got to try it again I chose to there was so much going on I chose to retreat to my um comfort and so while this extreme stuff was going on, I wasn't even paying real attention to the fact that I was telling myself I was still abstinent because I didn't have this thing or that thing. But today I kind of laugh when I run across things that I told myself were okay back then, and I'm going, did I really call myself abstinent eating that? Because I was so told. I had a little note the other day that said, I didn't even want to write it down truthfully. I just wrote ice dessert. Now, what is an ice dessert? <laughs> so, you know, yes, we have to decide for ourselves. And I tell you nothing, this something to me is real sad. It's when I get people who have listened. It's kind of like you're you're like the, the uh, girls that come to a, uh, you know, a favorite rock group. 
and they have listened, they stand by this side and listen and believe in, you know, what they're hearing. It's a good program. But are you really a compulsive eater? I mean, is this your problem? Who would go through all this? that doesn't need to. I've had one or two that have gone back and said, I don't think I'm really a compulsive eater, you know, and they have, there is nothing horrible or sacrilegious if you have to say, I don't think I belong it. I like this program. It's a disciplined program, but, you know, I am not what you, what I hear you say you are. But what I'm saying, all I'm saying, and I need to get off here, is that just like any religion, uh, it, it is important that we know why we belong. You know, why do we belong? I can go to church and it can sound good and it can make me feel well. But, you know, when I came on the vision this time, I truly understood what an allergy of the body and a mental twist of the mind meant. And I could identify into that. And so, uh, yeah, I think I've talked enough. Thank you, bye. Hope you got something from it. Thank you, Deb W. Who would like to share on this paragraph that Deb just read? Matt Katie M. G. from Julie. Boston. Matt, Matt, Matt M. M. And I heard Katie G. Melissa C. Jan F. Jan F. Was it? Yes. Okay. Dorita P. Dorita P. Kim G. Kim G. and Chrissy G. Why don't we go with those seven? Matt M., Katie G., Melissa C., Jan S., Dorita P., Kim G., Chrissy G. And I apologize. I know there were probably people who spoke up much before the names that I actually wrote down. So it's just the way it goes. <laughs> and Matt M., please go right ahead. Hi, good morning. Thank you for your service. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., Compulsive Overeater from here in New Jersey. I'm grateful I have this program because it's teaching me not to be a hypocrite. You know, I have plenty of people I know who need this program, friends of mine, and I can't tell them to use this program if I'm not using it completely myself, you know. Yesterday I had a few resentments and I picked up over them, and you know what? It's it's it, it's it's the timing that that matters to me. I have to um go right back where I started. I have to go back to step one, and that's okay with me. I am one of those people that I don't need to do any controlled eating. I know from at the to the core of my being, I am a compulsive overeater. No one needs to tell me that. My higher power sit to has set sit to cement that in my memory. And just for today, I I have willingness to leave it alone because it is like alcohol to me. All I have to do is take. All I have to do is take one bite, and I'm just as bad as any alcoholic. I am hard. I'm a hardcore eater. I'm 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 a continuous hard eater, and I am a real compulsive overeater because you don't get to be 650 pounds and and not be a, a compulsive overeater. Even a hard eater I know has never gotten that bad. And so I'm just for today. I'm willing to stay, say that I am one, reconnect to the program, and reconnect with my sponsor, and reconnect with this big book because that's where the program of action is. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Matt. And, and I just want to mention that we're going to stick with this one paragraph. So those of you who I missed perhaps will have a chance uh, later in the hour. Katie G. Thanks, Rebecca. It's Katie G. May I be heard? Yes, I hear you, Katie. 
Perfect. Thanks for your service. And I'm starting my timer. Good morning, everyone. KDG recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic for today. And um, yeah, you know, why is this book so smart? It's just brilliant. Like how every other program I ever did, like all the advertisements, they're going to tell me what I am. They're going to tell me who I am. They're going to say, you're this, you're mentally ill, you have an anxiety disorder, you have whatever it is. I mean, I've been diagnosed with many, many things. And what this is saying is, you know, it's so like detached and beautiful. It's like, hey, dude, if you don't have a problem, go, go, go do it. I mean, um, it's funny because somebody said to me once, you know, if you don't have a problem and somebody's unmuted, I can hear so much noise if you wouldn't mind muting. If you don't have a problem with food, then just stop eating it. Like if you told my husband, husband, stop eating hot fridge sundaes, he might be like, you know what, that's kind of annoying, but he would not rationalize, justify, and defend his right to eat that hot fridge sundae. And for me, what was so hard is I spent so many years in diet mentality, right? Like, it's okay to have a little bit of this. It's okay to have a little bit of that. And for me, entire abstinence is moving from that and saying, okay, this is very black and white. Abstinence is very black and white because when I go out, and try and have a little bit. I, I can't. I can't have a little bit and stop. If I do, I'm. I'm salivating. My heart is palpitating. How many times? I mean, you guys all have the stories, right? And the same with the exercise. Like I go into a zone. My heart rate is going. I'm lying. I'm not telling you what I'm doing. It is a high, right? And if I'm honest with myself, I get a pretty bad case of the jitters. And why is this so important? Because let's be honest. When you are recovered, when you are not recovered, this program is 24 more than that hours a day. Like, we're busy from the time we retire at night to through the next morning, all throughout the day. Action, 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 you know? And um, for me, that's what willingness is, right? Like, I had to be so, as somebody says, desperate, dying, and doomed, so convinced that my insanity, like, I can't have just a little. I can't exercise just a little. I can't lie just a little. I can't. Because if I do... I am going to be stark raving crazy. And so I have to be convinced to my innermost self that I have this thing. Why? Because I'm about to go through an entire psychic change. And you know what? Entire isn't just a little. I have to change just one thing. And that's everything. So thank you, God, for all of you. Thank you, God, for being my teachers. And I am just going to continue showing up, God willing, one more day and walking this walk with you shoulder to shoulder. And with that, I pass. Thank you, KAT. Melissa C. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And um, yeah, I mean, this diagnosis, it's got to come from within. Nobody can tell me or I can't tell anybody else um, that they have it. And, you know, what made me think about this morning was, um, for us with a, a food addiction, um, compulsive overeaters, we have to really identify what our alcoholic foods are. And sometimes that's been difficult. Um, it was a process for me. Um, and I've experienced that with people that I've, that I've worked with, that um, they're, they're not sure of particular foods. And, you know, and so there is, here we go. Here's the litmus test. Can you eat this food? Um, 
and stopped abruptly. Can you, you know, um, can you put a serving size? Can you look at the back of the label, see what the serving size is? Can you put that on your plate comfortably without making up stories, without rationalizing, um, you know, without looking at your kid's plate you know, looking at the leftovers, thinking it would be okay to put it on yours. Um, and so here at the heart of it is honesty. You know, it says if you are honest, um, it may be worth a bad case of the jitters, you know. And so we're always reminded, I'm always reminded that um, honest is like at the core of all of this. And, you know, um, when I've experienced working with people and they're not sure of what their alcoholic foods are, my, you know, what I was directed to was let's assume that it is, you know, and so we can get you through the steps. And then if it's not, we can, you know, address that at a later time, but let's get recovered. Let's get ourselves through the work. And if the person is so upset about assuming that the food is the alcoholic food, then chances are it is an alcoholic food. You know, if you asked me to give up um, iceberg lettuce, I'd have no issue. Um, you know, it, it's the other things, those gray area foods. And, um, you know, and so some people come in and they say, yes, I have this, um, but I don't have it with this food. Um, and I don't have it with that food. And, and for me, this is just, um, I found this useful for identifying what those foods were. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. I just want to remind people who maybe got on the line a little late that we've read one paragraph starting at the bottom of 31 to the top of 32. And Jan S., you are our next person to share. Good morning. This is Jan S. from St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you very kindly. Um, amazing, amazing paragraph. Um, I've been in program for 35 years, and a, a, a lot of years I spent not it fully conceding to my innermost self that I was a real compulsive reader in the rooms. It took me a very long time to get to that point, but um, I'm grateful that I never left, for sure. Um, but, you know, again, thin is not well. I, I maintained weight, but I was still, you know, going back, slipping on off. But the real truth for me um, has to come from not in my head, because my head will lie to me every time. My, my mind is sick. That's not where I can rely on for the truth. My disease lies to me every day. I, lie to my, I could lie to myself every day. I did it for years. So for me, the, the fully conceding to my innermost self has to come from my heart. It has to come from a, a belief deep, deep inside of me where I choose to call the place where my higher power um, resides in me. And I have to admit that to myself and to God that I am, you know, a real compulsive overreader. I have to really believe that I am chronic. I am one of those chronic compulsive overreaders that is never going to change. Just like that I have brown eyes, that's not going to change. I remember in program a long time ago, they used to say to me, you know, when you're not sure if you're abstinent and you're questioning yourself, you probably weren't abstinent, A, 
and B, abstinence is like being pregnant. Either you're abstinent or you're not. Either you're pregnant or you're not. You can't be a little pregnant, you can. You can't, you, you're only going to be pregnant or you can't be. So um, those are things that I, I continue to believe today, that I, I can't be a little abstinent. There, there aren't, you know, that, that isn't the way it is for me. I have a food plan that I have to follow every day because that's where I know I will live in peace and be uh, free of, of that physical craving, that phenomenon of craving, I'll be free from that with, with a food plan that works for me. It is different for everyone. But when I first work with people, I ask them to please write down their trigger foods, their binge foods. Let's start there. Let's write those down. Those are important. And I also, um, I also go, I also had a nutritionist help me with my food plan. And, you know, when that person suggested foods that I knew I couldn't work with, I said, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't eat that stuff. So there is a huge element of honesty. Sometimes that evolves over time. But to, to be totally honest with you, I, I couldn't be free. I was never totally free in all those 35 years until I finally conceded to my innermost self that I was a compulsive overeater, chronic by nature. Oh. I suffer from that mental lapse, and I can't, I can't do it. So thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Dan S. Thanks. Dorita P. Hi, my name is Dorita P. Uh, I am a compulsive overeater, and I'm really grateful to be here. <laughs> I'm grateful we're talking about um, diagnosing ourselves. And um, for me, um, it was real easy to diagnose myself. I knew, you know, that I would diet, and um, uh, toward the end, uh, we'll say back in the day, I was able to diet and stick to a diet and, you know, lose 40 or 50 pounds and, you know, be okay. But toward the end, uh, right before I came to OA, my diet, they would last two or three days, maybe a week uh, at the most. And I was no longer able to diet. So I knew that I couldn't control the food at all. And I'm just really grateful that I, I know what I am. And that's what I tell people, uh, new people you know, they have a problem with, you know, um, you know, I have a couple new people that say, you know, they're new at it and they'll have people say, uh, people in their family or friends, they'll say, I didn't know you had a problem or you don't have a problem. And I'll just tell them, well, it's only important that you know who you are, you know, you know, and you don't have to explain yourself to anybody. Just know, you know who you are and you know what you can eat and can't eat. Um, so, you know, this program is not easy and you know, you know, I love this meeting, but the disease and I tell people the the disease hates this meeting, but I love this meeting. Um I um I, I think I need need to give up two more foods, but to be real honest, I'm not ready to let them go yet. And this potatoes and rice. Um and I do okay most days. In fact, well, most days, majority of the days I do fine, but every now and then I want to eat too much rice or too many potatoes. Um, and I and well, I guess I tell myself that, you know, I, I've given up so much already, you know, uh, sugar and flour, and uh, I don't eat any 
uh, I don't eat any snack food, and and that was definitely a process. You know, I ate popcorn and I ate diff, different nuts. You know, I say, well, um, well, I can't eat cashews. I can eat, you know, the other nuts, but I can't eat cashews. Then I can eat everything except for cashews and peanuts. You know, and then lastly, I can eat almonds. You know, I can't eat any nuts. Uh, so that definitely was a process. But, um, you know, I, I'm at goal weight and I lost 100 pounds. Um, but, um, you know, I believe one day I, I may give them up. But to be real honest with you, right now I'm not ready to give them up. So I'm just really grateful for this program. I could figure it out and I could take my time. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Dorita P. Kim G, you're next. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Oh, this is some important information here. You know, step over to the nearest pantry and try some controlled eating. Try to eat and stop abruptly. You know, I think so often in general, addictions have been defined by the consequences. You know, in, in AA and NA, maybe they're saying, well, you know, I've, after my third DUI, I had to do something after my third arrest. You know, for us, it's how many pounds overweight you are, how many pounds underweight you are, maybe how many times a day you throw up. But this just a, that's, that's a very, that's about a, con, that's about a consequence. So this is a very simple test because we have this twofold illness, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. This is the test for the allergy. You know, I always like to say, can I reasonably predict how much I'm going to have when I pick up certain foods? Not all foods, certain foods. And I have to tell you, I didn't even need to do this experiment. I could just look back at my history. You know, when I used to babysit, I didn't pick babysitting jobs by how the kids were. I picked babysitting jobs by how the pantry was. And I would get those kids to bed on time. And then I would say, well, tonight I'm only going to have three Oreos. And I would sit in front of that television and I'd wait for the commercial. And I'm like, mm, maybe just three more. And then I would get three more. And the next time I wouldn't even make it to the next commercial. And then I would go back and back until finally the bag was empty and I would put the bag in my car because I was too embarrassed to put it in their trash. So my personal experience showed me when I pick up certain foods, I cannot control and enjoy my eating. I'm cannot tr- I cannot start and stop abruptly. And that's important information because I also know people who have the allergy. I have friends that love Doritos. And they say once they open up a bag of Doritos, they wind up having the whole bag. And I say to them, my goodness, what do you do with that? And they look at me kind of quizzically and say, well, I just don't open up the bag of Doritos. Because you see, not only do they, they have some sort of allergy when they eat Doritos, but they can make a decision and with the knowledge of that, they cannot have the Doritos comfortably. So we're going to learn in this chapter about the real problem, which is not only that I cannot go to that nearest pantry and, and control my binge foods, but my real problem is when the bag of Doritos is empty. Because when a bag of Doritos is empty, I get restless, I get irritable, I get discontent. And my mind convinces me I'm not going to binge. I just need to get the edge off. I need to get the edge off. And when I try that first bite, the allergy kicks in. And I can no longer eat and stop abruptly because of the allergy. It's a very simple test, but one that we have to be rigorously honest about. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Chrissy G. Good morning. Hi, Rebecca. Can you hear me? 
I hear you, Chrissy D. Uh, it's Chrissy, um, recovered in New Jersey. I do I have a compulsion to eat or not? I have this conversation with lots of people when I tell them because I'm pretty open about my disorder and and my recovery and what I do to stay recovered because people are very curious. Just you know, normal outside Earthling people. Why do you eat the way you do, and why don't you eat this? And you know, they ask a lot of questions, and you know, it's human nature to start questioning yourself and say, "Oh, well, you know, do I? I sometimes I overeat." You know, the, somebody might might start to say, and in, it helped me to understand the difference when reading the um, AA 12 and 12. It says that we all have we all have these when it's talking about the the seven deadly sins are instincts that are um, overblown in one direction or another. The the need to feel fulfillment, you know, for example, when you're eating gluttony, all of these things, we all have them to a greater or lesser degree. It's just a process of being human. But am I driven? Am I? Do I have? Do I have the compulsion? Will I step over a, a like a bleeding person to get the last something something in my mouth before I call? you know, the ambulance to come help the person. My experience has shown, yes, that nothing else, when when I have the compulsion to to do something and one of those things is overeat, there's nothing that can stand in my way of me doing that. Um, So it's really, it's really clear. And it only comes through the pain of my own experience of the disease and how it manifests itself in my life. I have been taken to the extreme with other instincts, other um, defects of character. Uh, my my need for attention gets in the way of a lot of things, and uh, that's something that I, I have to bring to my higher power also. But for me, I know in this program with this with these questions that I absolutely fit in. And and i can't i can't say that you do because i don't know what goes on in your head i don't know what links you would go to to get that last bite of something um so so it's really it is a process like the last speaker was saying it's definitely a process of more self awareness and self honesty and with that i pass thank you chrissy g so the floor is open again to share on this one. Rich. Begins Leslie with the W. Roxanne Charles H. Larry. Roxanne W. Reba Michael B. Diane H. Barbara E. I think it was Diane H. I don't know how to spell that. Diane um, and Diane N maybe? H. H. Oh, it wasn't Diane. It was Diane H. Got it. That I do know how to spell. Barbara um, E. Barbara E. Reva P. Okay, let's stop there, Reva P, and see if there's time for even this many. We have Charles H, Leslie W, Larry K, Roxanne W, Sharon B, Diane H, Barbara E, and Reva P. We may not even have enough time for all of you. 
but let's see how it goes. Charles H. Shout out to the moderator. You're the real MVP. Uh, Charles H., a recovered compulsive overheater. Um, I love this, man. Step on. You can quickly diagnose yourself. Step on over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Uh, yeah, done it many times. And, you know, just continuing off of yesterday's uh, vibe that, um, you know, we there's, there's some football numbers on this line, 40 years. You know, 18 years, 17 years, six years. You know what? Like, um, we didn't get here on a winning streak, right? Because we, we tried a lot of stuff, and this was the last train stop, the last house on the block, because we tried all that stuff. And, and the crazy thing is when we come into contact with other people as we grow spiritually, we don't try to diagnose them. You can't diagnose nobody else. I couldn't even die. I didn't want to diagnose myself because I wasn't honest about it. I respect the, the I was, you know what, yo, this disease is closer to me than my own family. It never leaves me alone. I respect it. I'm glad. At least it keeps me company. I, I, I cannot do any controlled eating. I still send my food out every day. Why? Because I'm dishonest, selfish, self-seeking, egotistical. And this disease humbled me, brought me to my knees, like Dr. Bob's third step prayer, right? So you know what? Anybody can do this thing. You know, I've been hearing a lot about uh, putting down cigarettes and, and food at the same time. It's, you know, I know the cigarettes is an outside issue, right? But, uh, you know, I'm going to share my story on it. I put it down, and I was still binging, but I put it down. I know there's some place in the book, I'll close with this because there's a lot of people. There's some place in the big book that says first things first, and even the great Bill W. died from lung cancer. So first things first, and with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles H. Leslie W. Thank you. This is Leslie W. Recovered in Tennessee. I love this paragraph because, it's a great reminder to me um, that it it's really not up to me um, to tell anyone um, that they are or they are not a compulsive overeater. Um, that's up for them to decide. And you know, it, it I know I know that no one could have done that for me. Um, so you know, what makes me think that I'm qualified to do that for someone else? I remember when I first came into this program hearing the words compulsive overeater. Um, I didn't know what to make of that, you know. Um, I didn't understand what that meant. Um, I didn't understand what the big book had to do with being a compulsive overeater. I remember at my first OA meeting someone shoved the big book at me and said, read this book, you know. Uh, And I thought, well, I'm not an alcoholic. Um, I just have I just have a slight problem with food, but but I'm not an alcoholic. I don't really need this book. <laughs> um, and and they said, oh no no, you just substitute the words alcoholic for compulsive overeater and drink an alcohol for food, right? So I did that, and I found myself within those pages. 
But it took me a really long time before I could be honest with myself about my disease. Um, I fought it. I didn't want to be different. I didn't want to be bodily and mentally different from my fellows. I didn't want to go to a party and see everybody else eating and, you know, enjoying themselves and and and, and snacking and grazing and, and may not be able to do that. Um, no, I want to be a part, you know. Um, and, 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 and like somebody else shared on the line about pizza, you know, you know, like, yeah, that's, I don't, I don't want to get rid of, I don't want to be the only one not eating pizza on family pizza movie night. Um, you know, the thing about it is though, I may not like who I am sometimes. I may not like the fact that I'm a compulsive overeater, but I, I accept it. And, uh, that, that's all that matters, you know, really that I accept who I am and I'm able to be honest with myself about who I am. Um, whether or not I like it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, the, the why of it doesn't even really matter. It is what it is, right? So I have to do what, what I have to do every, every day to remind myself of who I really am. And I, I remember you know, and working with others really helps me to remember the pain of being in my disease and not being treated because I was a miserable mess. My head was all over the place. I had Hi. no peace and serenity. But thankfully today, I do. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Leslie W. Larry K. Uh, good morning, Rebecca. Can you hear me all right? I hear you, Larry. Okay, good. Thanks for your service. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. You know, there's not too many um, times that we're, when we are afflicted with, with some something, some physical or psychological issue where we get to self-diagnose ourselves. Now, we do as a society, but, you know, if I suspect I may have diabetes because I have symptoms, you know, I, I go to a doctor, and a doctor diagnoses me. It's pretty cut and dry on, on the diagnosis. They're not very iffy about it. If I have a broken arm, they take an X-ray. The, the arm's broken or it's not. This is a little bit more complex because for a variety of reasons, but, you know, one of, one of the reasons, though, for a guy like me is dishonesty. And, and the problem with dishonesty is those who are dishonest are the last people to suggest that they're dishonest. It's hard for, the, for a sick mind to heal a sick mind, let alone acknowledge their own self-deception, their own delusion. And that was indeed the case for me. So stepping over to the nearest uh, bar room, if you will, and, uh, you know, see if you can stop, I will go a lifetime to see if I can stop. And I will, as confirmation bias, I will draw my attention most readily to the times when perhaps I can moderate a little bit. See? And that becomes huge. That evidence becomes huge. And the evidence of me binging my brains out becomes very small and tiny. And that's that phenomena, that human phenomena is the very reason there's more than one or two people on this line or listening to the recording that have been in program, perhaps dabbling in the steps, 
maybe working hard on the steps that are still in that delusion. And that was me. That was me as well. You see, the, the key word for me in this paragraph is, is honest. We have to get honest with ourselves. If, if we're willing to be honest, if it's a contingency, if we're willing to be honest, then we'll recognize if we have the twofold nature of this disease, the allergy of the body, does it intensify my desire for more when I pick up? Maybe not all the time, but generally, does it intensify? Do I have a physical reaction? But more important than that, am I restless, irritable, and discontent, even when it's down for days, weeks, months, years? And I would give anything to have some. And the unpredictability of it, and it comes back. And if I'm honest with myself, that's a big key. There's many people who come to the program that are not honest. Thank God for this practical program of action. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Roxanne W. And again, on one paragraph, bottom of 31 to top of 32. Go right ahead. Thank you very much, Rebecca. It's Roxanne T. in New York. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. That's okay. You had a lot of people (laughs) talking at the same time. I don't know how to do it. Anyway, I, I also believe that the most important word in this paragraph is that contingency word, that word if. You know, if you are honest with yourself about it. Um, There's plenty of times that I went out and went back to the food, but it wasn't to test it to see if I was a real true compulsive overeater. Um, You know, I really love this, uh, the way they work with us in all these step one issues here. Um, And the most important thing really is that, you know, I be honest with myself that I really truly am a compulsive overeater, because if I don't get to that point, I'm not going to be willing to do the steps. You know, why would I want to do this spiritual program of action if I don't think I have the problem? And um, a lot of times we think, we see, I, say, I would say yes too quickly and say, oh, yeah, I'm truly, truly it. But I really didn't understand what it meant to be a true compulsive overeater until, you know, recovered sponsors, you know, took me through this work and explained it, what this big book means. That's the most important thing about reading this book is, you know, saying, what does it mean to me? Uh, And, you know, I was told that, you know, if I'm not serious, if I really don't understand this, you know, I'm I'm not going to want to do a fourth step or turn my will and my life over to God. I'm not going to do all that stuff. You know, I heard someone say, you know, it would be like going to PTA meetings if you didn't have any kids. You know, why bother, right? If I don't have the problem, I, I'm not going to care about doing the solution. And I love how they're so loving, you know, even right out of the gate in the first line of the, you know, the chapter, they say, they, they say most of us were unwilling to, to admit we were real alcoholics. So why shouldn't I have a problem doing that, you know? Um, why, why shouldn't I have to go through the process? The founders did. They all agreed. They, you know, most of them were unwilling to admit. So I find that really welcoming, you know, that I'm not this, uh, you know, person who is incapable of being honest. I'm not, you know, I'm just, you know, unwilling to be honest. You know, there's a difference, you know. There's, uh, you, know, it said, you know, it says that people cannot or will not be honest with themselves in this book. And, you know, I was one of those who could not, I mean, who would not. 
would not. You know, I found out that I could be honest with myself, and I was just unwilling to be honest with myself. So reading all these step one issues, you know, um, really helped me. Uh, and I thank God for the sponsors who, you know, took me through it and helped me understand what it really means to be a true compulsive overeater. If I don't get there, I won't go anywhere. So thank you so much for all your service today, my parents. Thank you, Roxanne T. Sharon B. Uh, good morning. My name is Sharon B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Louisiana. And uh, try to drink and stop abruptly. You know, um, what I had to realize was that I'm different. And um, the 12 steps, you know, the book, I could open this book, but it wouldn't, it didn't, and it wouldn't stop me from overeating my substances while I was eating my substances. And, I, you know, the other thing is that... Uh, when you when you decide that you're going to quit smoking, they don't tell you to smoke on Wednesday and Sunday. They don't tell you to do heroin two days a week or cocaine two days a week. I had to learn, first of all, I had to learn the science of why my brain is different. My brain is different from everyone else's brain. I can't put those substances into my body. I know exactly what my trigger foods are. They're just about anything that isn't whole natural food. But in order to see that, you know, I had to, to do the Google thing, you know, and look at the science. I didn't have, it didn't work for me to have somebody tell me, don't eat this, don't do that. Uh, go to an AA meeting and people don't drink, but there's boxes and boxes of substances there. They don't have to drink. They're substituting their addiction with something else. So I have to know who I am physically, emotionally, you know, mentally. I have to know who I am before I can do this work. So then when I know that and I put everything down, the 12 steps gave me back my life. They teach me how to live the way in a beautiful way. You know, I can I can be a kind person. I don't have to I didn't know that before I came here. I didn't know when I was full of substances and I didn't know how to be in the world. I didn't know that I didn't have to have a smart remark for everything that somebody said. And I could go on and on about that. But this is the beauty of this program. So if you're out there and you're trying to work this program and you're trying to think that, you know, you can eat or you're you trying to bargain, you're trying to bargain with the food, it's not going to work because you're, it's not gonna, you're not going to be open to what this book will teach you. It's a beautiful book. It was divine intervention. I mean... There's no doubt about it in my mind. And I'm grateful today. And, um, you know, today I have a chance to live the rest of my life. I'm 62 years old. And I have a chance to live whatever time I have left in a beautiful, Fine. contributing way. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon D. Diane H.
Diane H. Star one to unmute. Hello, my name is Diane H. I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, the way I used to read this was um, we do not like to pronounce any individual as a compulsive overeater, step over to the nearest bakery and diagnose yourself. Um, I, I just used to always chuckle at that because um, I thought to myself, um, I'd never be able to walk into a bakery and walk out with nothing. Um, but I, I wanted to share a little bit of my own experience experience with this. Um, I have found that I am able to eat certain foods that I know are problem foods for me in control, in moderation, but still have the mental obsession with them. So that tells me that it's a problem food. So um, uh, alluding to the fact that something someone has said on the line um, the process of letting go is it definitely is a process. It's been a process for me. Um and the willingness comes with time um because the pain increases with um the recovery, the more willingness there is to um get cleaner and to um uh be clearer, clearer headed and um not want to lose my abstinence um, because it's such a precious gift from above. Um, and remembering the pain of the last binge, you know, keeping the memory really green. Um, if you have to write it down even, um, what your last binge was like, um, how horrible it was, um, is is really a good tool for me. Um, I, I, I can just remember my last binge so well. So. You know, I, I get to the point where I become real, real willing, um, and I have food right now that I'm willing to, I just woke up this morning and said, you know what, I'm willing to give a food up. It's been a food that I consider like a yellow light food, and I shouldn't really have yellow light food, but I do have two yellow light foods, and I said, you know what, I'm going to make this a red light food, and it just it just happened automatically. I just thought that to myself, and... Um, it's because I've been praying about it, and prayer changes everything. So I just wanted to share that. Um, that's been my experience. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Diane H. Barbara E., we have a minute or two. Do you want to take that, or would you rather wait to the next hour? I'll talk really fast. This is Barbara okay. E. from New Jersey. And just remind me when I need to be beeped. I was thinking of that old commercial, Bet You Can't Eat Just One. Some of you may remember it, Lay's Potato Chips. I can't eat just one. Pasta, potato chips, donuts, popcorn in the movies or at home, candy bars, raisinets, M&Ms, ice cream from a half gallon. I have tried... Um, controlled eating. It doesn't work for me. I'm a secret eater, so I won't eat in public. I'll eat like a tiny little delicate bluebird in public. But at home, I'll eat like a vulture by the light of the refrigerator in the middle of the night. Stuffing after Thanksgiving, not during Thanksgiving, what's left in the refrigerator. I have tried experimenta 
experimentation, self-deception. I really thought I could beat it. I tried hard to be like other people, but I couldn't be like other people. I did have long periods of weight loss, and I would not gain, followed by worse periods of relapse. And when I relapsed, I relapsed for longer. I gained more weight, but I have selective amnesia. I would forget the horrors, the consequences, the name-calling that I would call myself. I cannot stop when that allergy of the body kicks in with my obsession of the mind. You can have it just one, just this time. No, Barbara, I can't. And that's why I know I am recovered but not cured. And I have to remember that. I have to remember that. My life depends on it. Thank you. Pass. Thanks, Barbara E. Reva P., I'm sorry we've run out of time. Maybe you can stay on for the next hour. Thank you to everyone for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Wednesday, April 26, 2017, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 9875. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Deborah R. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Yes, be glad to do that. Um, Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.